Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. want to, first of all, get straight to the boring business aspect of things and read out a memo that was sent out office-wide straight from the janitorial staff, so these are always fun. Uh, let's see. Memo from the janitorial staff. Please do not use the bathroom on the 13th floor until we are able to determine the depth of the sinkhole that has appeared sometime last week. Caution is advised. Which, does our building even have a 13th floor? I thought we specifically went out of our way not to have a 13th floor. I don't know. I'm not an architect. Uh, I'm joined again by Jonathan. Say hello, Jonathan. Uh, hi, I don't know how you keep on finding me and also why you keep on reading these memos. We're the only two here, and honestly, if if we're being honest, most of those memos are just for company policy. You, you are absolutely correct. And the reason why I am wandering about this building is because I am trying to find... Listen, I'm, I'm trying to find an exit, okay? Don't don't tell anyone. I'm trying to find a, an exit okay, door yeah, anywhere, yeah. okay? Just... Anyway. So, um, so what are you doing in... What, the, what is this place exactly? Well, you, you, know, you know, you say about like, oh, trying to find a place. Honestly, this whole place is a maze. It's like a shifting corridors of all, uh, of all kinds of stuff. Uh, I, I don't know if I've kind of figured it out or anything, but I was able to find an exit. Most likely it's gone by now because of the ever-changing status of this doggone building. But um, I, I recently got uh, went out because I was like, oh, I actually have uh, stuff to make lunch at for at home, and I made some tacos and uh, had that uh, had that for lunch. Came back here. Um, now we're in the mailroom, and honestly, I don't know how on earth you found me. Like, I, uh, like I was just finishing up my dessert and everything, and you're like, hey, let's pull up and do an interview now, as if to say, uh, as if to say, like my time doesn't matter. And I'm like, okay, sure. We'll, we'll do we'll deal with that surprisingly uh, I think it ha might have perfect padding with how many letters there are is probably the reason why you have so many of these memos because most of them haven't been set out that's honestly possible I actually took a shoot like a mail shoot to get here I didn't know this was the mail room I've never been to the mail room so this this is it huh this is the this is the mail room. I mean, if you take a mail shoot, you're going to end up in a mail room. Well, I like I thought it was a – I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a, a shiny metal slide. It, most times when you find, like, a, shi a shiny metal slide within a building, it's not to be a an adult playground, which is, un is unfortunate, but, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, unless you're at, um – Meow Wolf's Omega Mart, then no nothing is supposed to be an adult playground, really. That's fair, and to be honest, you're absolutely correct. This mailroom is not fun, really, at all. Like, how why is there still mail coming through these chutes? Who's even reading this stuff? I mean, for one uh, for one part, you. That's, second, that's uh, true. Second off, that's fair. Uh, second off, um, I'm concerned that we might not have somebody to help deliver this mail, but um, there's like some kind of board here with like conspiracy board. I don't want to read into it too much because, you know, the usual uh, pins and strings leading to other documents and such. And I'm just like, this is probably why the mail guy le uh, left because there's something up with this, uh, uh, with the mail that's being delivered here. But that's besides the point. That's um, that's true. That's true. Uh, at least it's not a cramped office built, a uh, uh, cramped office space. But um, I see you still. We still only have one computer to use. Yeah, they have these terminals set up all across the building. But yeah, um, well, I wanted to ask a question and first and tee it up with a fun little factoid that I came across. Uh, I found out about this place. I I don't know if you've ever been on youtube or just online various places and you come across like a list of abandoned places and maybe it's just me but i am always so entranced by photos of places that are abandoned because my brain immediately doesn't go into uh it being scary i find it infinitely fascinating like photos of abandoned places 
and I found one place that just based off rip off of the description, I would love to see this place because I think it's still there. Uh, before you go into that, but like, uh, uh, like, yeah, I have the same kind of reaction of just a, a quiet feeling of being mystified. Just y you obviously go if you uh, it's the best parts are when you find videos of people who do this and just go into abandoned places and record their yes, findings. yes. It's always some of the fu uh, fun stuff uh, to watch, um, but uh, uh, but like it's. It's equal parts being mystified and just kind of it's almost you almost get into a silence of sorts like a respect for the place itself as mm. if it's living honestly hmm. um, and just under and just kind of try coming to terms of understanding of why people were flocking to this place uh, uh, years ago and why it's eventually became abandoned and so you get uh, so when you go through videos you do. Uh, there are some people that definitely talk about uh, talk about the place and its history and such, which is always very nice. But it's usually in a hushed, quiet tone, as if someone is there, but no one is. And I think that's a general respect that I definitely enjoy when being able to look at abandoned uh, abandoned places and such. Do you think it has something to do with? And this is just me theorizing, just spitballing here. But when there's no people. Like, if you went to a, a high-rise skyscraper and there was nobody there, no sign of life, like, except for, like, birds outside, <laughs> like, nothing, there's no people, do you think you'd almost interact with it kind of the way you were talking, like, with nature, where since there's no people around, your brain is fully focused on your surroundings and just taking in the immensity of it all and how things are designed and put together and like i don't know there's something cool about that on top of what you were mentioning that i really like that kind of what you were talking about that respect is when a place is abandoned and then nature sort of subsumes it right sort of reclaims <laughs> it so you'll see pictures of these amusement parks that have been sitting for 60 years and nature has just entirely reclaimed it so there's trees and plants and animals all living in the ruins of what used to be an amusement park. I find that very fascinating. This place in specific is sounds amazing, and I'd love to go there. It's called Dinosaur World, and it's in Arkansas. Oh. And oh it, boy. earlier known as John Ag Agar's Land of Kong and Farwell's Dinosaur Park was a tourist attraction in Beaver, Arkansas. 65 acres which is massive and it contained a hundred life-size sculptures of dinosaurs cavemen and other prehistoric creatures which is insane so it closed in 2005 but to my knowledge based on what i see here it's it, the stuff hasn't been reclaimed by anyone so i don't think anybody owns the property so you could just go hiking there yeah, I quickly looked it up on the terminal here, and I'm like, I don't know who, uh, uh, what th these designers were on when making these dinosaurs, <laughs> but I don't, but I, uh, I am equal parts, uh, I equal parts do and don't want whatever they're having. <laughs> yeah, some of the dinosaur designs, based on the few images that I'm looking at, didn't necessarily, uh, scream realism to me. Back to the point of your question about the skyscraper. If it would, uh, first of all, I am terrified of heights, so I don't really want to be on top of a skyscraper. That's if it's fair. Like That's something fair. like, if it's something like the Paris Tower, where you get into a portion and then it's a windows and you can just look out uh, over everything. Like I'm kind of eh on that. If it's like, if it's a, if it's just apparently been built and nobody has uh, uh, and then everything vanished and everything is still clean and fine i don't think it really is all that uh, uh, all that much uh interesting because it seems like a newer structure nobody's really gotcha. been to it i think that respect comes with age with like either nature reclaiming it or it's just been around forever and nobody has really been around in it in a very long time kind of spinning off of that if there was a 
I have something in mind. If there was one place that you would like to have nobody in just for a day so that you and like a small group of friends could just have the run of the place. I know my my number one probably ever since I was 10 is Kosai. If if you could hook it up so that way literally no one else was there and the entire building was just silent and you could go in there with a group of friends and just run around Kosai and no one was there, I still think that would be so freaking cool. Do you have something like that that you've ever thought? If this place, if I just had it to myself with like me and a group of friends, what would that place be for you? Uh, you there are so many places. Really... It's a big question. Yeah, I know. there's so many places. Like I'm, I, I, my mind is spinning on it because like there's just so many different places you could go where it would be a thousand times better if there was just no one there. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, <laughs> human contact is horrible or anything, but, like, when you have, like, thousands of millions of people just constantly causing noise and clutter within the environment at all times, eventually you're just like, I would uh, uh, I would rather be alone, th uh, alone in my room rather than... Uh, have to deal with all of this crazy crap that's going on. Right, it's like it just sensory fills overload. The mind and it's yes, a sensory overload. Exactly. I think part of that's fear and respect um uh for like abandoned places kind of comes out of I guess a cultural idea and a subgenre of horror that I don't think has been has been really Popularized, uh, popularized, if I am saying it correctly. Um, specifically, the haunted, uh, specifically something of like a haunted house. Hmm. Not so, uh, and I and when I say haunted house, I have to <laughs> elaborate here. I this house is not haunted by anything in particular, like a ghost or there was a uh, uh, or there was a murder that happened there or anything. It's just a house or building of residence that just that uh, that just hates people hmm. like you go in and you're j uh, you go in and you feel uh, uh, at complete unease almost as if the building is alive in some sort the one time that i had that feeling was going into ford's theater where lincoln was assassinated down into the basement, there they have John Wilkes Booth's pistol in a glass case that mm. he used, and I have never been more like physically disturbed by another physical object just being near it. Like it was so, it was very strange. It was a weird experience because you're standing next to it, and there's it's just a it's you know on a pedestal in a glass case, and there's a plaque and everything. But I'm looking at it, and I'm just like, ugh. I just feel the evil seeping off of it. I'm like, ah, I don't want to stand next to this thing. Yeah, and I think and I think for this specific idea of a haunted house, it's less you know what happened in, uh, in a building, or it, it... Okay, let me put it this way. If you... It's less knowing the history of the gun and what it did and uh, and all the terrible things that transpired from it and more uh, and more like you just walk into a room and there is a gun there and for whatever reason you don't know why it it, it just it, it just physically disturbs you that that specific gun is in there just being around this specific object for whatever reason it almost feels like it somewhat has a, a mind of its own, and it hates any uh, uh, anything or anybody. It's less, um, oh, something horrible happened here, or it is haunted by something or something. It just feels oppressive. Yes, it is an oppressive house that hates humanity, and it almost feels like you're walking into the maw of a giant organism, even though it isn't alive, technically so. So you talked about, like, an an interesting, like, sort of untouched subgenre of horror being that of just, like, there's no jump scare, there's no actual physical menace chasing you through a building. We've all been in buildings, like, alone at night, and in sometimes that oppressive feeling just sort of happens. 
Walking from one room to the next and turning a light switch off and walking back can be terrifying enough. Um, I, uh, I do want to say, if anybody is more interested in specifically the haunted house subgenre, which it definitely uh, has been published about and definitely has even games and, uh, games and stories about, it's just less popularized than usual horror tropes and less in the public consciousness is, uh, as it is. But if you are interested in that, I have to recommend, uh... A video, a video documentary uh, by Jacob Geller named Control Anatomy and the Legacy of the Haunted House, which is why, how I found out about this, and it's practically fantastic. I'd hmm. also have to recommend his other content as well. But on that topic of, like, subgenres, and I guess this isn't really a subgenre anymore. It's kind of exploded over the last year. What are your thoughts on analog horror? Um, I find it uh, very interesting. I am not a very uh, uh, I am not one to mo uh, get get into horror because it's always uh, uh, my nerves just get jangled and uh, and put to a fever pitch whenever I'm dealing with like horror stuff, whether I... it be like from anticipation or just the sudden. Uh, or just the sudden scare or spook of something. <laughs> I am baffled by people who, s like, seek that out. Like, good for you if that makes you happy, brings you joy, or, like, you enjoy it. I don't get it, man. To me, it's like it's eating... It's like seeking It's like, yeah, it's, that, it's like eating super hot foods that you know are going to give you extreme discomfort and pain going into it. It's like, why would you put yourself through that? Why would you sit down, pay money to go sit in a theater just to be scared? for two hours like i can't yeah they have they have like probably either stronger nerves of steel or just want an adrenaline rush yeah which i totally understand which there are worse things that uh, you know human beings have done over you know the millennium <laughs> that is so much worse as far as adrenaline seeking so like yeah go for it if that's the if that's the art form that that makes you like if you're happy with that go for it but that is not my cup of tea mm-hmm yeah, like an analog horror. I think I uh, uh, like it because it's in the comfort of my own home. I can watch it I uh, in broad daylight and just know that I am completely separated from the fiction, while also somewhat getting immersed into it. Like like putting your uh, uh, dipping your feet into a cold pool on a summer day. Right. Just like oh, that's a that that's a bit uh, that's a bit cold instead oh. of just going like cannonball right into the uh, pool. <laughs> And just coming out of it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm freezing. Yeah, I mean, there are just some very fascinating aspects to it. Specifically analog horror, right? Because it's horror, but it is often framed around older technology and older history. And for some reason, and I don't know why this is, maybe it's just because we sort of confuse nostalgia with an immediate fondness for it like stranger things like they're going for a nostalgic vibe specifically even though there's all these horrific things going on they chose a specific era that would evoke certain emotions in people who either would remember that or or aren't too far removed from it but why do you think analog horror sort of exploded and became a thing do you think it's because it's such like a touchstone of people saying oh i remember vhs tapes i remember uh, older game systems and big chonky screens like why do you think people responded so much to it i think it's a dual aspected thing for younger generations who have never ha uh, had vhs or uh tape uh, or tape recorders and all of that stuff it's all new to them they get to see like a window into the past and they're completely unfamiliar with it which mm. helps helps bring in an extra may, might bring in an extra level of horror in that like this is some horrible evil th uh, uh, evil or uh, uh, haunted thing that has been forgotten by ages past and only now is being brought back up mm. so that uh, that can add to the fear of the unknown but for other people, uh, but for other people, I think like ourselves who kind of grew up with that kind of stuff, it's it, it, it's also uh, it while also being a sense of nostalgia and somewhat and somewhat fondness for those good old days. I think it's also because uh, we don't view our modern technology as 
quite as corruptible hmm. uh, in a sense as older technology because interesting obviously because obviously those older devices are going to be busted and uh, uh, somewhat busted and have less quality options and su- uh, and such almost like a sense of a slight unreliability interesting while well, well, like smartphones and all that such you don't really have a uh, you don't really have any like haunting stuff coming in and causing the screen to glitch out or anything on a modern device uh but like tape recorders and uh and vhs stuff it's unreliable and weird enough with i think some level of recorded findings of this happening that it's uh uh that uh, that um it brings into that public consciousness that you could capture things that are un- unexplainable or horrifying on a VHS uh, or tape recorder. And going along with that, that's kind of an interesting point because also artistically, if you were designing something in the analog horror genre, it's kind of interesting how modern artists have to try to make their stuff look vintage because vintage technology, you're, like you said, was so... Not necessarily, it was unreliable in some ways, but also the quality was so lacking that from an artistic standpoint, you don't have to worry about making certain things look hyper-realistic if you're seeing it through the muddy lens of VHS, like, crappy quality footage. It's more believable. If they were trying to make it look all pristine in HD, half that stuff would look like trash because if it's not masked by that vintage look it would stand out as like, oh yeah, that's okay. That's not even scary. It looks really dumb. That's a sad attempt. But when you take it old school and you put in the work to make it look vintage, you're able to, I feel like there's more wiggle room. You can get away with more that way, which kind of goes along with what you were saying. It works a lot with certain arts in that you always have to take it one step forward because like what you're saying of like, you make something and it looks like crap. If you were to just post it on its own, uh, on its own, it, it yeah it would uh, it, it would kind of be uh, uninteresting or unappealing. But that uh, but basically, there's two ways you could have taken it from there uh, onward. Is that it's a potential work in progress, and you can either continue to uh, uh, continue to improve upon it so that it would work for hd screen so that it look realistic enough and such or you could instead take that and add visual effects to make it look older it's always it's all uh because both of those processes are just part of the art uh, the artistic process in it uh, in of itself like if you want to make something look the way you want it's gonna take work either way right yeah. and and for something and um and uh uh like if uh for example like a uh, uh for example like a backrooms kind of thing if it was just through the 3D models and you uh 3D models and you presented in a high definition form <laughs> then obviously wouldn't work uh, obviously wouldn't work but uh, uh because you didn't um really put in the efforts to like make uh to like uh, to uh, uh, make the um, uh, make the room seem realistic, or uh, uh, or you didn't really texture that uh, wall or such, and you can still put uh, work into it to improve it, as long as you haven't published it as the final product. Uh, but uh, uh, meanwhile, if you wanted to be on a VHS uh, part, which is the whole reason of the uh, backrooms in of itself is that it's VH, uh, VHS analog horror. Um, then, uh, then you're able to work with that and use that to your advantage because it's going to be a bit more pixelated and um, uh, uh, pixelated and less quality, and uh, it's going to have like static and filters over it to mm-hmm. make it look like it is vintage, but. Um, uh, but in of it, uh, but it then helps to make it seem more believable because you're less able to see the cracks of the original part without the uh, of the 
surrounding environment uh, with the filter on. Yeah. As opposed to having it without. I think it's interesting thinking about, like, in the future, if film students will be shown YouTube videos <laughs> and say, this was groundbreaking oh, yeah. in 2020. Like, this oh, was a obviously. massive breakthrough. That's just so strange to me. But, like, also, I mean, it makes it tracks logically. It's just sort of it's interesting to think about for sure. Oh, obviously, yeah, because there's plenty of cartoons and such on YouTube that are really gaining traction and such, um, like Has Been Hotel or A Hell of a Boss. Like, that is the biggest thing to me, is that somebody is making it their dang self and that it's being responded to well. Like, that means something so much to me, because I feel like we need more of that, because, like, when I was in high school, for example, like, Alex Hirsch. Like, I read up all about his bio, how he, you know, was going to Cal Arts or whatever, and he put up videos on YouTube, and some some studio, like, they, they found him, tracked him through that, and then eventually he got his gig with Disney, right? And I think for a while, that was, like, the play. It was, like, get your stuff out there to be noticed, so then a bigger corporation can scoop you and your idea out of the muck and the mire give you a bunch of money, give you a bunch of energy, and set you loose on your project. Thing is, is that over the last couple years, that idea has completely crumbled with all the series that have been prematurely canceled or creators who've stepped away from their projects, or you find out that the studios have completely, like, wrecked the original vision of the creator. And so that concept is growing, at least for me, I won't speak for everyone, is becoming increasingly less and less attractive as an option it's like i would rather do something myself have it look substandard but at least i have full control over it and i can finish it rather than getting the full four-star treatment only to have somebody turn it into something that's not what it was meant to be yeah um and even then like um uh and uh, has been hotel uh, has been picked up by a studio. I think I think it's a twenty four, if I'm correct. But a twenty four is one of those more freelancey studios that right. doesn't There's get a, as much that, recognition. Yes, that is because... big difference between like that versus like a mega corporation that owns twenty companies. The whole uh, idea of going to Cal Arts and then becoming big is even starting to crumble because of animation of sites like Newgrounds where other animators showed up and such like more recently you have people coming up with um animations and such and putting them up on uh Newgrounds and YouTube and all these other places instead of going to college and then getting notoriety that way and gaining a following uh, a following of fans who enjoy their animations for what they are uh, instead of having to do a bunch of stuff at uh, at, Cal, uh, at some place like Cal Ars or something, and then getting recognized for ma- uh, for coming up with a big project that gets sponsored by some uh, by some big wigs in uh, in corporates. Speaking of animation, I uh, I am slightly uh, slightly curious, um, uh, uh, slightly curious because I do watch at least a fair amount of stuff but um i guess is have there been any been any like anime titles you've ever been interested in or watched okay so i have a funny story um oh boy okay so as you know like growing up i did not have many watch watching options we did not have cable so the only way that i could watch animated stuff on like a saturday morning was through cw for kids mm-hmm. and cw for kids had a an interesting lineup to say the least some shows were really good and some shows were really bad there was biker mice from mars there was uh viva pinata there was gogo riki kirby right back at you sonic x chaotic oh and hunt yeah Huntick is what I have watched, and I think that is the only thing. Hunt, that... do, do you mean Huntix or Huntick? Huntick. H U N T I K. So it's animated like okay, an see. anime, but I think the creator is from 
Uh, he has to be like Italian. Yeah, this, this definitely seems like a West a Western am, I, uh, animation taking cues from Eastern animation. Yes, and the voice acting is really good. They got some like big players. Like you would recognize probably most of the people in in that show. And uh, mm. Professor Eggman is like one of the big main villains, but he is not funny at Professor? all. He is, he Professor, he is he is horrifying. Um. What? Sorry, sorry. Did you mix up like Doctor Eggman from Sonic? Sorry, I think he plays someone called the Professor in Hunting. <laughs> professor Eggman oh, so teaching Mike, at your local Mike college. Pollock. You're talking about Mike Pollock, okay? Yes, he plays a villain about, like, in the show. I was about to say what the uh, uh, okay. Uh, so I was about to say like first of all, like uh, uh, how did Doctor Eggman become a professor? He teaches at the he teaches uh, at the ruses. local he teaches at the local Sonic College. He teaches uh, chili dogology. Maybe Mister Tinker does, but I certainly not <laughs> Doctor Eggman. Doctor um, Eggman. And and second of all, I was like, how how brazen is this show to be like? Oh, we have a character called Professor <laughs> Eggman. <laughs> yeah, I love hunting. It's so serious. They have Professor Eggman. No. I, you've opened this door. I got to talk about Huntick. Huntick deserves more attention. It is a good show. And basically, it's centered around, basically, over the course of history, there's been two major forces, good and bad, and they've been called different things over eons. And essentially, they get a hold of these amulets or rings that contain titans in them. And once you are bonded to it, you can summon it. And it basically does whatever your mind tells it to do, but if it gets defeated, it takes a major it takes a major drain on your energy to summon it. But then if it gets felled or killed, it returns back to the amulet or ring, and you've lost a bunch of energy. So like there is cost associated with it, but they also can use spells. It is a wild show, but it also goes all over the world and goes to historical sites and basically is like, oh, this famous historical figure was a you know, was also a seeker, like one of the people who can use the things. And they have uh, Titan characters that are based off of different countries' folklore. And it's so cool. It was so neat. It was an awesome show. And that's probably the closest thing anime. Uh, I mean, Chaotic, some of the later Chaotic. seasons. One of the, some of the later seasons of Chaotic um, oh. switched animation style into like full-blown goofy anime, like crazy expressions like very anime towards the end of that show but that's anime probably like. the closest i have never watched like something in its original like language i haven't i have a very limited experience of that stuff because i just did not we've discussed before how we have to have a movie night and we need to watch like spirited away or something i need to see that movie yeah you um uh, uh like i definitely like I definitely don't. Uh, I'm definitely not gonna knock you for like uh, uh, liking Huntick, but I'm like somewhat, uh, uh, somewhat on the edge because, on the one hand, it, lo it seems like an interesting premise and some good ideas in there, but on the other hand, it's four kids, and four kids is like <laughs> reviled as like the worst dubbing studio for anything in terms of anime. Uh, I thought the the uh, the dubbing in Huntick I always thought was good because. But, you know, that's it could be I could be yeah. rose colored glasses here. But until I was older, I didn't realize that it had been dubbed into a different language. I just thought that those I, voice actors. Maybe were... it wasn't dubbed into it. Maybe it wasn't dubbed into a, a, a English language. Maybe I have it's... no idea. <laughs> but like, I don't I don't trust four kids with much stuff, even though they've made a lot of nostalgic stuff that I definitely enjoyed as a kid. I am able to look at it critically and go. Four kids, what, what, <laughs> what were you on? What were, you could have just left it at what were you and leave it at that. What, yeah, what were, were you? you? Honestly, what were like, you? Like, I, like, I, I can answer that question myself of what were you, but, uh, uh but honestly, <laughs> even then, I will still ask myself, what were you? What were you? <laughs> uh, I actually did get a Ghibli film from Ooh. the library oh yeah um for us to watch um i did grab my, my neighbor totoro so oh that's if, another one i've heard if about. at some points later uh later on when we're not in the uh uh building somehow and we get some free time i uh, i 
would be more than happy to watch it with you. There's an ancient but, overhead um, projector in the conference room. Yeah, that might work. I'd like to be also be able to just kind of interest you in possibly a, 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 uh, an anime series as well instead, <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> I'm listening. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm always down for suggestions. Yeah, um... So, obviously, I talked about every 90s fantastic obsession and love child Pokemon last uh, <laughs> uh, last time I was on. Of course. Um, and I swear this was not uh, – this is not because I was uh, – and uh, this is not to continue on to that. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, uh, it's all good. Uh, but, uh, um, I, uh, but, like, uh, I have, like, a – uh, whole table of obsession uh, of micro obsessions and th and properties that I really enjoy and get involved in. But every now and then I have to like get it uh put it on the back burner and switch it out with something else. And uh, currently, what's on the front burner is uh, is the opposing side of every playground argument ever with Pokemon Digimon. Okay, all right, you're bringing Digimon back. I feel like you used to be way into Digimon, like when you were probably when we were probably like 12 maybe earlier you I definitely showed me you definitely showed me either part of a show or part of a movie mm. where there was like a weird mm. little bunny one that was just like a ball with ears okay okay i th i think i have an idea of what digimon you're talking about which might be Gargamon, do, do you remember this? Do you remember this sp a specific bunny having like, uh, uh, like, ev uh, like, uh, evolving slash digivolving into a bigger bunny with like Gatling gun arms? I don't Sorry, think hands. I don't think we made it that far. What was the name of it? I don't remember what what movie you're talking about or what show we possibly uh, I possibly showed you. For di uh, for Digimon and all that such, but when which, you say which character like, was it? But when you say like a bunny, uh, uh, a bunny like creature, my mind immediately goes to Terriermon and his, uh, and his uh, champion level Digivolution or adult level Digivolution for the uh, uh, for if we're going by Japanese terms, uh, Gargamon. Um, hold on, let me find a real quick image of Terriermon and Gargamon for you. I see, Gar I'm looking at, yeah. I'm seeing Gargamon and I'm seeing uh, Terriermon. It could have been Terriermon, but for some reason in my memory, it was just the head looking up at like the girl or something that was in oh, her wait, house. Oh, no, wait, no, no, no. I, I, uh, uh, wait, I think I know. I definitely what... feel like it went to the bathroom on the floor. And that was a oh, whole I, gag. Okay, I absolutely know. I absolutely know what we're talking about now. I know. It's I know it. burned I know it. in my on. memory. That's all I remember about uh, it. Uh, uh, Koromon. Look up Koromon. K O R O M O N. Yep. There you go, Koromon. That's the one. I <laughs> yes, I absolutely did show you that movie. Okay, so what we're talking about here is the hated and also beloved English uh, English dub digi uh, English dub Digimon the movie. <laughs> oh. Oh, I uh so fun fact Max, um I just watched this movie with <laughs> America the other day. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um and and the reason for it is because Digimon the movie is both a, a pretty great uh, movie and it's also just an absolute <laughs> hack job of a uh, of a localization. Um, so to explain, uh, to explain what was going on back in the day, Pokemon the Pokemon movies had just recently come out, and obviously they were big hits in the theater. So Fox, who was in uh, who was in charge of English localization of the Digimon series, wanted to replicate that formula, and. Uh, and so they were. Uh, so they looked around for whatever Digimon material they ha uh, they could use, and by that point there was three OVAs of Digimon that had come out uh, that had come out beforehand, and 
OVAs are like if OVAs in anime terms are like short movies, so to say, uh, say or specials. Like they're not they're not movie length, but they're also not episodes length. They're somewhere so they're in, in between. the middle. Yeah. So they had uh, so at that point there was three OVAs. So Fox just looked at the uh, looked at these three uh, three OVAs they had. Uh, uh, ha- uh, that were already produced, and just, and just gave them over to the English localization team. Is like, here, take this and make a movie out of all three of them. That, by most accounts, did not have anything to do with each other. Like, <laughs> and it, and so, uh, hold on, let me find out which OVAs these were. So, um. The first is Digimon. Uh, 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 so first is like Digimon Adventure, which is not uh, which I'm not talking about the anime series, but rather the specific OVA Digimon Adventure. Um, uh, then there's our war Digimon Adventure, our war game, which is like the best part of the of Digimon the movie, and is also just a fantastic uh, OVA slash film in its own right. And then there's the worst part of the uh, part of the Digi, uh, Digimon uh, movie, which is Digimon Hurricane Touchdown. Um, <laughs> it's a great and, title. And I and honestly, looking at it through the lens of having to try and connect all three of these as one interconnected story slash narrative, the localization team did pretty well with what they had, which was <laughs> not a lot. And uh, and honestly, a lot of people. There's a good amount of people who are Digimon fans who are like, "Oh, the Digimon the movie absolutely sucks. It's the wor- uh, It's the worst." But uh, on the uh, but I'm one of those few uh, few people, or maybe less known people. I don't know if it's like a, a minority or just the uh, uh, or just the fifty to the other fifty who hates. The movie, uh, he hate the English dub movie that just really chives with it, <laughs> um, uh, like, uh, uh, like I have, uh, like I, I've got a movie uh, scale of rating for movies that uh, uh, that is I adopted slash stole from Jello Apocalypse. Like negatives uh, denotes ironic enjoyment, like how much you can riff on a bad movie. Right. And uh, and uh, the positives are like unironic enjoyment. And I have to say, Digimon the movie is both a seven and a negative seven. It's fantastic. <laughs> it breaks the scales. There are genuine points where, like, uh, there are genuine points in the movie where, like, me and Merica were just watching the movie normally, not speaking, and actually enjoying for enjoying it for what it had. And then, well, uh, and then, like, I think during a specific part in the third part of the movie, which is technically Digimon Hurricane Touchdown, where we we literally stopped the movie and we're just. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> ripping on the ridiculousness of the edits that had gone into this. That's so awesome. And the best part about it is like the, this: the localization of this movie is timelessly of its time. It is so early two thousands; it hurts, and I love it. <laughs> the, uh, like some of the soundtrack is replaced with like pop, uh, pop uh, music from the two thousands slash ska music. Oh, dude. All Star is in that movie. What? Yes. What? There is there is a horribly uh, there is a kind of horribly inserted uh, a moment where it where it is just one of the, like uh, uh, one of the Digimon is just uh, uh, is just trying to dance and All Star is playing in the background <laughs> and it's so bad and it's so good. So I don't know if you heard about this, but um. Owl City, after having released their last album in 2018, just came out with a new song a couple weeks ago, and it's an all-star Smash Mouth remix mashup, and I don't care what anyone says, I don't care, I'm just glad Owl City's making music again, the fact that that happened in my lifetime 
the fact that there is now an Owl City remix of All Star somehow makes me complete in ways I didn't know I was incomplete. Yes, and honestly, <laughs> I have to show you this movie now that, I, that I've been able to gush about it. All right, we'll have to just... add that to the list then. Yes, yes, and and if you actually want good Digimon content, I uh, I'm. Uh, I am half uh, I am half wanting to show you either Digimon Tamers, which is like the best Digi uh, one of the best Digimon series, and the most or, or the most recent Digimon series that seems to be rivaling Tamers in its quality, Digimon Ghost Game. Okay. Um. Uh, but uh, but uh, Ghost Game is certainly turning out to be a fantastic series. Um and. Tamers is just a pretty solid storyline and a fantastic series in its own right. Um, uh, but the reason I got like so hyper fixated on Digimon in the first place was like, um, I, I I'm more uh, I'm more of somebody who stays indoors, plays video games, and does all that uh, other stuff. So I don't get outdoor and I get and get physical much. And I'm like, I should probably get some exercise in me just to stay at least a little bit fit and right. also to improve my mood uh, uh, mood a little bit oh yeah i take and, walks all the time uh, and it does it does wonders for for my mental health walks. yeah yeah and uh, i get i guess it's a question um uh, uh just as a question what do you think the origin of the digimon series was uh gosh if i had to guess it probably has something to do with Tamagotchi type stuff, right? You're actually correct. Oh, You're okay. actually incredibly correct. Digimon was the boy version of Tamagotchi. <laughs> and then and then the anime was made and then everything exploded from there. That's awesome. Um, and for the longest time they've released like different variants of uh virtual pets and such uh uh, uh that are Digimon related um and and they never really upgraded, so to say, to a uh, to a better format. It was always like the blocky four by four pixel uh, pixelated version of Digimon on a uh, uh, on a LCD screen with no color and <laughs> like three buttons to its name that can't be left out in the rain. Um, and most recently, uh, or or rather, like a year ago. Um, they released a new Digimon uh, uh, V-Pet, uh, but this one is much different, and uh, f uh, frankly, it's I'd say it's an improvement on the uh, uh, on the V-Pet formula. Uh, it is called the Digimon Vital Bracelet, and it is a Fitbit Lite kind of digivice um, uh, that acts as a bracelet. It's tracks your steps and it tracks your heart rate it's not the best but is it at least something that uh, at least something and um you get to uh raise and train digimon um uh as you exercise and such that's such a fun idea and i think the best part about it is that um with the old v pets if you wanted a new a new Digimon line, or you want a new Digimon, you'd have to get a brand, uh, a whole other, uh, a whole other Digimon uh, virtual pet, uh, uh, pet console. So you'd ha so you'd have like two different things and such, uh, two different like consoles. If we were to go by like video games logic, uh, normal video game logic, instead of like getting a a new game for it. Um, it's like, it's like having Uno on the Xbox, and then if you wanted to get, um, Uno Deluxe, you'd have to buy a whole nother Xbox. Right, yeah. Um, but with this one, um, uh, they have released, uh, uh they have upgraded so that the else uh, the screen is now, uh, uh, it is now a backlit LCD screen, so you can, uh, so you don't need, like, a light to view uh, view it like you did in the old years of uh, Game Boy or Game Boy Color. The sprites are th uh, 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 have color and they are more defined. I'd say maybe 
64 bits kind of uh, 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 sp uh, sprite resolution or such. I'm not sure uh, in terms of uh, uh, in terms of sprites and such, but um, uh, instead of having to get a whole new vital bracelet and such, um, you can inst uh, you instead buy these things called uh, dim cards, which is basically their fancy uh, uh, their fancy differentiation of a, a sim card. Okay. And each dim card has a new line of. It has a new Digimon slash Digivolution line to go through, and you just buy that for about a lot, and, like, most retail DIM cards are, like, $10 or so. Oh, wow. And then you just plug it into the vital bracelet, and you've got a new Digimon to ra uh, raise and train. That's so cool. Yeah, and it connects, and um, in order to store old Digimon that you've trained and you have sentimental value over, like I do... Uh, uh, you uh, there is an app. Uh, uh, there's an app for the vital bracelet, where you uh you're able to use NFC technology to transfer your Digimon from the vital bracelet back to, uh, over to the app, and then put them in storage or use them for various battles or events and such that pop up. That's really really cool. And I have been enjoying the ever living hell out of it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, unfortunately, I still need to get a phone with NFC so I can transfer my Digimon over to the app. But until then, I am content with the two mega-level Digimon that are currently in my bracelet and am currently awaiting an order for three new DIM cards that I am getting. See, this is why you have to watch Hunting. You've basically got the premise down already. You've got a mythical creature, magic being not magic i understand how i know it's digital it's, it's, in the, it's in the bracelet it's in something you put on your body you're practically living the show you've got to watch hunting am i able to take agumon and smack him again uh, smack him against this <laughs> machine Dramon? i don't think so you can if you believe hard enough but then it's going to be an off-brand agumon <laughs> that's not what i want <laughs> It's like it's like asking for McDo uh, for McDonald's, and your mom says we have McDonald's at home, and you get a, a much inferior pro uh, product. But anyways, I I assume we have to wrap up. Yeah, I think that's time. I'm pretty sure a rabbit just came down one of the shoots in the back, which I think that means it's time for us to go. Yeah, that that might be a good telltale sign to go. <laughs> All right, conference room. Let's go. You bring the popcorn. All right.